What's up? What's up? I wasn't just talking to Brianna, that's for sure. What's up? All right, thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. I'm not doing the Connect card today, all right? But I am really excited to be uh, in front of you today to bring you a message that God has given me. Um, wow, it's got to be going on 25 years or more. So I've done this one a couple of times, but I'm really excited to give it to you because the cool thing about the letters that are behind me, this is my license plate. So those of you who look at the gold uh, Ford Fusion out there, you can look on the back and you'll see these letters here. Um, and what the letters stand for is hear God, do what he says. Hear God, do what he says. So I think we have that to where it's in English, right? Is it the next one in English? There we go. Okay, just in case you, you didn't get it from the verb. Some people are audio, right, learners, and some people are visual learners. So for you visual learners, hear God, do what he says. And the reason why this is so exciting for me to be able to give you this message today is because this phrase, hear God and do what he says, is the, it's the secret, it's no longer a secret, right, because we said it, it's, it's the secret, it's the guide for you to be able to hear God and something that will guide you in every decision that you make, great or small. So how many of you have ever struggled trying to understand the will of God? Anybody, right, anybody that's been a Christian more than five minutes, right, what do I do next, right? Right? And then for those of us who have been around, you know, the, the gospel and Jesus for 40, 50 years, whatever, it's still, it's still something, right? How do we understand the will of God? And I'm here to tell you, hear God, do what he says. About 25 years ago, I was the father of four. Actually, at the time, I was the father of three. But we are the father of four now. I've got to tell you something real quick. I did this. Um, talk at uh, Bryan College where Joey, my son here, and Paige goes. And I said, I'm a father of three. And my fourth was in the audience. And so it wasn't cool, right, for a second. And then I caught myself, and then I was like, sorry, Joe. Like, he forgave me. Uh, anyway, about 25 years ago, Liz and I were thinking about being parents. And we, ha we were already parents at the time. And we were thinking about what does successful parenting look like? How do we grow kids into good citizens, people who love the Lord, people who are going to love other people, right? How do we do this? And what does success look like? And so we started thinking about different things, and, and you know, we can, we can teach them about money management and how to have good manners and all kinds of things that, that we, you know, normally teach. But I, I started to think about the fact that a successful parent should probably not be dependent on the decisions made by the kids. Right? So how do, I, how do I rate myself as a successful parent if I know there are people that I'm trying to grow up that have minds of their own and they have an understanding of, like, not nothing when they get started. And then they have more understanding and more understanding and the more understanding they have, the more opinions they have and the more decisions. And, the, the, and sometimes, like, I, we can't define success simply by the decisions that our kids make. Can't do it. 
And so as we were praying, this phrase, hear God, do what he says, came to us. And y'all, as clear as I've ever heard God say anything, raise your kids to hear God, hear me, do what I say. Hear God, do what he says. And I thought, wow, that's profound. It's kind of easy when you think about it, right? But at the end of the day, we could teach them about money management and we can teach them about um, time management and all those good things. But what all people need is to hear from their creator. They need to hear from the God who made them. And, and in, to be able to do that, you have to understand that God is willing to speak when we listen. Did you hear that? He's willing to speak when we listen. I've said it before, over and over again. If you look at the New Testament parables, or and not, excuse me, not parables, but miracles, all of the miracles in the New Testament that Jesus performed started with a human action. Jesus said to the blind man, what would you like? He said, I would like to see. And every time... Jesus did something. He did it slightly different. Did you ever notice that? One time he spit on a guy's, you know, spit on the ground, made some mud, right? Put some spitty mud in somebody's eyes. How would you like God to do that to you today, right? Put some spitty mud. This is how we're going to do this, right? The next time he touched his eyes and, but he doesn't do it the same way every time. We're going to talk about that in a minute because he speaks individually even though you and I are going through similar situations, individually to us. So the way he speaks to me about which car I should buy is going to be different than the way he speaks to you about which car you should buy. Because God is not this insecure person that's got to keep us on the run all the time. And that's not the point. The point is he's protecting us from ourselves. Because if we have to trust him, then we won't be caught up in our own strength. We won't be caught up in the way that we would like to do something. Or we won't be caught up in the way, well, I heard God say to Paul, you need to buy that Mercedes, dude. And so Paul went and bought a Mercedes, and I'm like, I'm hearing God, like, I think I should have a Mercedes. And God doesn't always do that the same way. He speaks individually in similar situations. And hearing God is personal, and it's also timely. It's right on time. Okay, so I'm laying some foundation here, right? It's individual in similar situations with other people, and it's personal and timely. He said this, uh, what he said up to you even about something today doesn't mean that's what he wants you necessarily to do tomorrow in the same thing. You with me? I need to do X, Y, Z. I need to go PDQ. I need to do this. Okay, God, I got that. And then what happens sometimes? We do it again and again and again and again and again. We never check back in to see if, do you want to say something else? Do you want to turn me in a slightly different direction? Right? So it's personal and timely. Our job is to do what he says once we hear it. That's our job. So if you think about it in one way, the pressure's really off. Like, what do I do is not the problem. The problem is the courage and the trust to do what you hear. It's awful quiet in here. Once he speaks, once God speaks, right, then all of a sudden 
the onus is on us to have the courage and the trust in him to just do what he says. That's it. So what should I do next? What should I do next? Oh, and we, how do we, how often do we, we think about it, and 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 then we pray about it a little bit, and then we think about it more, and then we, and then we kind of do the best we can. Mm-mm. Hear God do what he says. Doesn't matter if it's comfortable. It doesn't matter if it's what you think should be done in that moment. This one's hard, isn't it? <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. So lest you guys know me well enough, right, to know that I'm not going to leave you without practical stuff, right? I'm going to say, here, God, do what he says. It's personal and timely. And so I'm going to give you three ways today that God speaks. So we're going to go to hear God, and then we're going to go to do what he says. And I'm going to do all of that in the next hour and a half, and then we'll be good to go to dinner. Okay? No, it'll, it won't be that long. To be about an hour. No. Anyway, three ways God speaks. Number one, he speaks through his word. When it comes down to it, the Bible is the written logos word of God that the Holy Spirit provides rhema. That's a Greek word that says it, it's quickened to us, right, so that that's the way he speaks. Um, Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know what I thought the coolest invention ever was? If, and we have them here. Like when you walk down these steps right here, I don't know, you should do it sometime. You walk down the steps, a light comes on. And it lights your path. And I'm having trouble sometimes going down those steps into that door to get equipment. And I, I'm like, just as I think, oh, I can't see, the light comes on. It's a light to my path. Right? And so it's the coolest invention because it's biblical, right? Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says, God's word is alive and it's powerful. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. His word can cut through our spirits and souls and through our joints and marrow until it discovers the desires and thoughts of our hearts. I love this part. Nothing is hidden from God. He sees through everything, and we will have to tell him the truth. So when God says, buy that Mercedes, you should buy it. Oh, but wait a second. That's not how God speaks. We'll talk about that in a minute with the Spirit. But when God's word speaks something to you, as you are reading it, some of it's pretty explicit. Do some things, don't do some other things, right? But sometimes it's not explicit in your situation. But how many of you know that when you read God's word, it quickens you, it enlightens, it cuts through you deeply, and you end up being able to get the answer to your question even though it's not written in black and white. Because God's word is alive. That's what Hebrews just said. It's alive and it's powerful. Anybody love God's word? Yeah, it's cool. What a gift. What a gift. Amazing. Okay, so that's number one. He speaks through his word. Number two, he speaks through the Holy Spirit, through our spirit, into our mind. Now, this one might be a little tough. Oftentimes, many times over the years that I've been a Christian since 1977. Yeah, ha. 
you're old. Um, many, many times in, in circles of believers, right, I have encountered believers who are so afraid of humanistic thinking that they have eliminated the concept of the mind out of a spiritual walk. And I'm here to tell you, if you, if you do a study about what God says about our minds, it's unbelievable. We are spiritual beings gifted with an intellect, our mind, living in a physical body. That's what I call the SIP principle, S-I-P. Spiritual beings gifted with an intellect, living in a physical body. And how often do we, do we so spend so much time on our physical, right? When something, some outcome happens in the physical, what do we do? I have to act differently. No. We have to be thinking differently. We have to be connecting our spirit to the spirit of God so that he can infuse our minds with his desire. And then the physical is just automatic, man. It's automatic. It happens. Okay? So in Romans 12... Verse 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Notice he could have said anything right there. Changing the way you dress. Changing the way you talk. Changing the way you go about your day. Mm-mm. He said, transform into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, 9 through 16. This, that, is, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things, how? Say it so the people in the back can hear. By his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. How many of you want to know God's deepest secrets for your life? Yeah, yeah. It's through the spirit that that happens. And how does that work? It works from his spirit to your spirit into your mind, right? And if you have trouble with the mind part, stay with me for just a few more minutes, right? No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truth. I'm going to go down a little bit and says, those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who, can, who knows enough to teach him? But we, you and me, understand these things because we have the mind of Christ. Think about this. The creator of the universe the son that came to die for you and me has a mind that is so far beyond all you can ask, think, imagine, and wants to give you life abundantly, and you have access to his mind through your spirit. 
That's how the Spirit talks. The Holy Spirit in John 14, 26 is a helper. And he's a teacher. The Holy Spirit will come and help you because the Father will send the Spirit to take my place. And then in John 16, 7, I tell you I'm, what I'm going to do, what is best for you. This is why I'm going away. The Holy Spirit, and by the way, that word there, if you look it up in the Greek, and I'm not really, I don't know Greek. I just look things up and it tells me the word, right? The word is called paraclete, and that word means comforter. Comforter. How many of you need comfort in your life right now? How many there's turmoil, right? The Holy Spirit is the comforter, and he has come to us. The Holy Spirit cannot come to help you until I leave, said Jesus. But after I'm gone, I will send the Spirit to you. John 15, 26. I will send you the Spirit who comes from the Father and shows what is true. The Spirit will help you and will tell you about me. So the Holy Spirit is here. He said it lots of times in the New Testament. He's got to go. The Spirit will come. He will teach you. He will help you. And he will comfort you. That's the Holy Spirit's job on a day-to-day basis. Here's the trouble. What does the Holy Spirit sound like? When he speaks to you, right? What does he sound like? Spirit to spirit. We don't know, right? We're all, listen, thank you for being honest. Like, I don't know. Someone shook his head over. I don't know what the Spirit sounds like. Here's what I know. If the Spirit is speaking to us, spirit to spirit, to our minds, when you imagine something, let's say that you uh, are imagining, you're daydreaming about something and so forth, and you're thinking about it, and in your mind you're telling yourself a story, right? You tell yourself a story in your mind. You imagine something. Whose voice is it? Like, what does it sound like? It sounds like you, right? It sounds just like you. And so what else would God do? When he speaks to your spirit in your mind, the Holy Spirit sounds like you. Now, it's not you in the physical. It's not your thoughts, your will, your, it's not that. But he sounds like you, and so it's just like God to give you a familiar voice to hear him with. Isn't that the coolest thing ever? And it's not contrary to anything What you hear in your mind that is not contrary to what you know the character of God to be. In other words, if it does, if it lines up with his word or if it's like someone's, you hear the spirit and and you're like, oh, I'm not sure that's God. You ask yourself, "Is, is what I'm hearing contrary to what I know about God? And if it is, it's the wrong spirit. But as long as what you're hearing in your voice, in your head, is not contrary to what God's character is all about, that's the Spirit of God. That is the Spirit of God. That's what the Holy Spirit sounds like. Okay? When I was, um, <laughs> when I was going through this and learning this, um, for those of you that don't know me um, personality-wise, I'm a visionary that doesn't pay very good attention to detail, right? And, and all my family over here says amen, right? Right? So, I, I, so I'm a visionary. And so what does visionaries do? They see out there, right? And they need help right here, right, walking down steps, right? But they see out there, 
And when they see out there, they can get people around them excited about what's out there. They can see the vision, right? And when God does that to people who are sold out and, and serving him, like we get these visions. And I don't mean like visions like, I'm not talking about the kind that like you see a dream and it's like, it's the, I'm talking about a vision of, of the future, of what's going on, of where you should go, or how you should do it. God said, I want you to listen to my voice and not use your strength to get to where I show you. You hear that again? I want you, I'm going to show you something, but I want you to hear, use my voice for the direction to get from here to there, not your own strength. Because I'm pretty good at getting from here to there. I think we all are. And so I wasn't doing real well with this at all. And so a month or two went by, and I noticed I wasn't seeing anything out there anymore. I wasn't seeing any vision for my job, for my life, for my family. I wasn't seeing anything. Like, what was God saying about five years from now? I wasn't able to dream even. So now I'm, like, nervous. Like, are you changing my gift? <laughs> now, now I have to pay attention to this, right? No. When I asked God about that, what came into my spirit was, you're not listening to me. You're not responsible with the vision I'm giving you about how to get there. So it's time to shut that down for a while until you get used to hearing me so that you know how to get there the way I want you to get there. So here's what God said. I want you to check in with me. Are you ready? Every eight minutes. Every eight minutes that you are awake, I've been speaking for 20 minutes. I would have to two and a half times check in with God by now. Eight minutes is what he told me. And I took this all this time, and I'm like, eight minutes? And so I, I had a coworker that I was working with, and he had this one of these Casio watches, you know, that would beep all the time at the top of the hour or whatever. And that was the noise that God put in my head. Right? Every eight minutes. And all it was was, it wasn't like get on your face before God and, oh, Lord, King of the universe. None of that stuff. Right? It was just, hey, God, how we doing? Do I need to do anything right now? And I would have peace or I would have angst that I need to go do something. Go walk there and walk there. And so I was thinking about this every eight minutes. And so after a while, when I got to learn God's voice... <laughs> In the eight, did I do it perfectly? No. But I, I just got into that rhythm. And as I got into that rhythm, I started to hear the way he wanted me to get from here to there. And so he began to start giving me visions, like the vision for my life again. It was an amazing opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work and to allow me to learn to check in. I don't know if your check-in is eight minutes. <laughs> I hope not. I hope it's, you know, a couple times a day, whatever. But what I learned is that as I walk through space, physical space, as I go where I go, as I fill my gas tank up and go to grocery stores and go do things in the park and do different kinds of things, I, I sense, like, the spirit of God. Like, what is it that you want me to do in this moment? And so I'm going to do a difficult thing right now for a lot of reasons. But I was preparing for this earlier today, and God said, I need you to ask the crowd, does anybody need a tank of gas in this room right now? And, and, and I need you to be honest just because, do you need a tank of gas? Anybody need a tank? You, need, you just filled up? All right, 
Any, does anybody need to take a guess, really? Anyone? Bennett? Come here, Bennett. God told me to buy you a tank of gas. Go ahead. I don't know why. I don't know what the story is. It doesn't matter. But God said to do something today. And I'm going to do what he says. Right? That's all it's about. And I thought, I didn't plan that one. God, he said, that's not your thing, man. This is my thing, is what he said. And so he said, somebody needs a tank of gas. And so I had enough money to give him a tank of gas. Right? And so when God says to do something, you do it. That's the point. So that's hear God. The third way that he hears, that, that he speaks, is through other people. Now, this one's tricky, and I don't have time to go all through it. How many of you know, how many of you have been around long enough that someone spoke God's word to you, a word for you, and you knew there ain't no God about that? <laughs> right? So this is a little tricky here, right? So believers occasionally hear a word from God. When given to you, test it. Test that word. Take it to God. If it is indeed for you, he will confirm that word somehow, some way. 1 Corinthians says, to one person the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. And in 1 John 4, 1 to 12 says, dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the spirit. <laughs> Isn't that a good one? That kind of gives us an out, doesn't it? Oh, you're not speaking from God. There's no way that that is. And First John says it. You must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God. That doesn't always mean that the word they have for themselves, for you, is for you. Sometimes Jesus said, hey, take that beam out of your own eye before you worry about the speck in your brother's eye. Right? But if God gives you a word and God says, Brianna, I have this word for Tiffany. I want you to give it to her. Then you give it. And then it's Tiffany's responsibility to test that word and see if it is indeed for her at this time from God. Because that word could be for two years from now for Tiffany. Okay? So those are the three ways he speaks. His word, the Holy Spirit, through other believers. Now, the fun part. Do what he says. We've heard him. Now do what he says. And I say it's fun because, like, when you get to do something that you know is precisely in God's will, like, what it's, like, so cool. You've all done it. Those of you who have been a believer for more than, you know, a little bit, that when you knew it was God and you did it, it was amazing. This applies to small things and large things. And whatever, however you define small and large, that's up to you. But it's all about hearing him one of the three ways and then now having the courage and the trust to do what he says. This concept of trust is the basis for your salvation, by the way. You've never seen God. I don't think, physically. But when he called your name, 
You ran out of the grave, right? You came out of whatever darkness you were in into his light. You became a Christian. You became a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are now new. That required you to have faith or trust that God wrote down some things. His son did what he did. None of us were there when it happened. So we don't have eyewitness account to Jesus dying on a cross for our sins. We have written account from people who were there. But we have to have a measure of faith and trust. So here's what I'm telling you. You already have everything you need to trust God enough to do what he says. You already have it. You don't need anything else. Now sometimes... Man, when he speaks and he says do X, Y, or Z, man, mm, leave your home and go to Knoxville and start a church. Sometimes that probably felt okay and sometimes it didn't. Go to X, Y, Z school. In in our case, in our, in our family, all four of our kids went to college. So, like, what college should I go to? I don't know. Hear God do what he says. Well, Dad, don't you care about what college I go to? I care that you hear God and do what he says. Do you care who I marry? I care that you hear God and do what he says. And it sounds somewhat like a cop-out, but the reality is it is the only surefire way to know that you are walking in what God has sent you to walk in. It's the only way. There's no other way. Every other way has doubt. But when you hear him and you do what he says and you know and you have peace, remember Jehovah Shalom last time, right? I spoke to you guys. Like, when you have that peace, then you know, oh, I'm doing what he says. It's easy to trust when you have experience in a positive direction or when when God did something one way last time. Like, it's easy to go, oh, God, I want you to do that again. And sometimes he will, but sometimes he won't. And God's not playing this weird game with us. That's not the point. The point is that he wants us to trust him completely in every situation, at every time, in every moment or eight minutes, in my case. Right? So the most difficult area to trust God in and do what he says are areas where he has given you abilities. Right? Because when we're walking in our strength, we're feeling good about, like, being an excellent photographer or being an excellent uh, piano player or, uh, you know, whatever it is that we're strong in. Like, we're good. Like, we feel good about that. Okay, God, you're telling me to do that. All right. It's easy. I'll go do it. It's fine. It's great. But what happens is the trust needs to come when you need to step out to something that's a little less comfortable. So I, I've spent 35 years plus in business. And what I know about what God is doing and saying is very similar to planning in business. I don't know if it's the next slide, but very many of us common scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. It's an easy concept to grasp on the surface. God has a plan. It's for my good, you know, on and on. But if you know anything about planning at all, especially in business, a plan has time, resource, and task. Okay, things to do, resources to do them, and time to do them. But it also has constraints 
and contingencies. So God says, I have a plan for you. Time, resources, tasks, constraints, and contingencies. Now, wait a second. God is the God of the universe. He has access to all resources. There are no constraints in his plan. Okay? There are no constraints in God's plan. But let's talk about contingencies. How many of you have ever heard of plan B? Right? Not the, not the drug by any stretch. No. I'm talking about like, oh, this didn't work out, but we have a plan B. Right? I didn't plan that one out early, just so you know. I didn't say that one out loud. How many of you heard of plan B? Right? So, but this didn't work out, and now we have, but, but, but we're good. We have a plan B. And, and if plan B doesn't work out, we have a plan C. And when I read Jeremiah 29, 11 a long time ago, I used to think that's how God worked. He had a plan for my life, and if something went not according to the plan because I screwed up, he took out the giant eraser in the sky and actually erased plan A and then wrote up plan B. And I'm spending my life chasing plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, never getting to where it goes. But the reality is God is all-knowing. And he wrote plan A for your life knowing that you would screw up. Knowing that I would screw up. <laughs> I get emotional about this all the time because I can't keep up. God knew I was going to screw up. He knew you were going to screw up. And the plan for your life is inclusive of all that. There is no plan B with God. That is the plan for your life. It's the plan for my life. So when we think about God's plan for us, now we go, the pressure's off. I don't have to chase his plan anymore. All I have to do is hear God and do what he says. That's it. It's not easy. But I'm going to close with this. God's plan is for your good. You either trust it or you don't. Hard word, but you either trust it or you don't. How do you know what his plan is? You hear God and do what he says. And I'm going to say this. Um, I said this to Jason the other day. Um, I believe City Point is at an inflection point. What an inflection point is, I'm going to read the definition. It's an event that results in a significant change in the progress of a company or organization and can be considered a turning point after which a dramatic ex uh, change is expected as a result. This church is at an inflection point right now. People are coming, people are going. People are here, they stay for a while, then they leave. People have been here from the beginning. It doesn't matter, but we are at an inflection point where God is bringing people here to do the work that City Point is charged to do, led by both of these people. Not one of them. Both of them. Go ahead. And if that's a problem, it ain't going to change. I've had enough conversations with them to know it's not going to change. They both lead us. Equally. And so know that City Point is going to have people coming here that are going to be in alignment with the vision that City Point has. We are at an inflection point. And I want to tell you one more concept. There's a concept of galvanizing. You ever had galvanized nails, right? Galvanizing. I looked up galvanizing. 
2020 for my family was a galvanizing moment. It brought us together. We, we spent weekends and weekends and weekends in the pool together, quarantining in place because we couldn't go anywhere else. And it was a galvanizing moment for our family. But in this church, what, let me tell you about the process of galvanization. When you take steel, steel is one of the hardest surface substances on earth. When you take steel and you galvanize it, you dip the steel in hot molten zinc. And it surrounds and covers and protects that steel. That sounds really cool. But here's the best part. When a corrosive is introduced to the steel or the galvanized steel, the zinc is a sacrificial anode. In other words, what that means is the corros the zinc corrodes the absorbs the corrosion before it gets to the steel. So the zinc will take all of the heat, all of the rust, all of the water damage, and it will protect the steel. You and I are protected by the blood of Jesus. We are galvanized. We are protected. This church is galvanized by the blood of Jesus. We are protected in a way so that when the corrosion comes in, however the enemy wants to throw it, whether it's through people or through doubt or fear or uncertainty or any of that stuff, we are galvanized because the blood of Jesus takes on that corrosion. And we speak the blood of Jesus over, over the situation. And the steel is protected. We are protected. The body is protected. So just know, hear God do what he says is not just for you and me. It's for us as a body too. And I'm glad you're here. I really am. But I know their heart well enough to know that if something about hear God do what he says or something about their joint leadership or something about what's going on is not good with you, my suggestion is not that you leave. My suggestion is that you hear God and do what he says. And if leaving, <laughs> if leaving is it, then go. But if it's not, stay. And figure out what about you and what about me needs to change so that we can hear God and do what he says as a body. It sounds so insignificant right now, but I'm going to tell you, I have a box of these bracelets. These bracelets say that. You can have one. You can take one. You can share one. One to wear, one to share. That's what my kids used to say. So come up and just take them after. If, if it meant something to you, if it matters, if you're trying to figure out how do I hear God and do what he says, just, just take whatever you want. Okay? Jason, I'm going to ask you to come and, and pray for us, but I'm a little over. But I just felt so strongly that this word is not only for us as individuals, but it's for us as a body. We are at an inflection point. And I thank God whenever I'm driving here, that my friend Paul Wolf <laughs> it's a great story I don't have time for but Paul sent me a Facebook message one day and he goes hey what are you drumming this weekend our drummer went to wherever and we need help I'm like I don't know dude I hadn't been to church in three years 
just watching online, whatever. He said, here's my pastor's number. See you Sunday. And I'm like, whoa, dude, my man. Like, I like you. That's good. But I got to hear God and do what he says. <laughs> right? And so after talking to this guy for a while, God said to us, yeah, that's where I want you to be in this season. So we're here. My encouragement to you is just hear God and do what he says. Y'all, dude, you got me getting emotional right now. Um, Bob, Liz, uh, I am so thankful for you guys. Uh, I tell you all the time, but I want to tell our church, we are so thankful for the words. We're so thankful for the gift that you guys bring to our church. Um, yeah, so good. Can we honor him one more time? Such an incredible word. Can you stand to your feet? I just want to pray over you, and, and then and then we'll go eat. We're eating at Panera Bread tonight, so if anybody wants to come hang out, come on. It's bread. Bread is like my drug of choice. Let's go. <laughs> come on. All right, let me pray over you, and then we'll and then we'll go eat. Lord, I thank you for your presence that's in this room right now. Lord, I know that all of us will serve you, all of us will serve your kingdom better if we could learn this principle. We will serve each other better if we can learn this principle. It really is a foundation of, of us following after you. Lord, even the young people in the room, it doesn't matter. Lord, you can speak to our hearts. We can hear you and we can follow after what you called us to do. And with everybody's eyes closed, just for a moment, if, if, you're, if you're desiring to just have that gift stirred in you, you just want to hear him clearly. I want to take a moment and I just want to pray over you. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hands to heaven. I want to hear your voice, Lord. I want to hear you right now. Lord, I'm just praying right now. You see, the, you see the hands raised, Father. You breathe life into our people right now. Lord, I just pray that you would show us, show us individually. Lord, and I know that as we step out, as you begin to speak right now and we step out, your word says that we can't even please you without faith. And so, Lord, we step out in faith. We listen and we step out in faith and we believe. Lord, stir our hearts right now. Whew, come on, he's beginning to stir hearts right now. I can feel it. As we are together, united together, he is here and he is stirring the hearts of individuals in this room. Come on, he's beginning to speak some things. He's beginning to release some things that you've been praying about for a long time. And now he's saying yes or no. He's beginning to speak it out. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, and just receive that right now. It's nothing I'm going to say. It's nothing Bob is going to say. It's the presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We invite you. 
I don't know who this is for, but everybody's eyes are just closed for a moment. But someone has told you that you're not good enough. Someone has told you that you will never amount to whatever you need to be to accomplish something. Someone has spoke death into your life and I am here tonight. The Lord literally just put it on my heart to just tell you that you are not called because of your ability. You are called because you are called. You're called by God. You're not called because you have a quality. You're called because He qualifies you to be called. To walk in an anointing. I don't know who that's for. Everybody's eyes are closed. If that's you, can you just wave your hand at me? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, move right now. Move in this place right now, Lord. Speak to our hearts. And give us the boldness to step out and do what you tell us to do. Holy Spirit of God, we praise you and we thank you. Lord, we invite you to go with us as we leave this place. We are open, Jesus. We're open to you moving and doing whatever you want to do in our lives. We thank you, Father. We praise you, Jesus. In your name. Amen. Let me bless you and then we'll go. Lord, I pray you'd bless us and keep us. Lord, that you would make your face shine upon us. I'm so thankful, Lord, you are gracious to us. I'm thankful that you give favor to your people. Give us favor, Jesus. And Lord, those in this room that need it, give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen.